In this episode of the Flop House, we review the number 23, the scariest of all the base 10 integers. And now, the special Halloween remix of the Flop House theme. When I was working in my laboratory, two skeletons came in, and a mummy was also dancing. Later on, vampires came in, and the vampires had a friend, and it was this creature from the Black Lagoon. And there were other Frankensteins there. One of them was a serial killer. Is that enough? <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> Wikipedia has this to say about the number 23. Walter Sparrow, Jim Carrey, is an animal control officer married to a cake shop owner, Agatha, Virginia Madsen. They have a son, Robin. The film opens with Walter narrating the events of his recent birthday. He begins by describing how he received a call to catch a dog named Ned. Walter is late meeting his wife, and she enters a bookstore where she leafs through the book called The Number 23 by Topsy Kretz. When Walter arrives, Agatha announces that she is going to buy the book for him for his birthday. Walter starts reading the book, finding odd similarities between himself and the main character, a detective known as Fingerling. The book details Fingerling's meeting with the suicide blonde, whose obsession with the number 23 drives her to murder her boyfriend and commit suicide. The viewer sees Walter as the main character in this novel, while the real Walter becomes obsessed with the 23 phenomenon. He shows his wife and son his own calculations, written on their walls, in which his name, house, and social security number all add up to 23. Walter visits Dr. Isaac French, Danny Houston, a friend of Agatha's, whom he hopes will be able to explain what's happening. As Walter is drawn ever deeper into Fingerling's story, he begins to suspect Dr. French has romantic designs on Agatha, in parallel with events in the book. His paranoia makes him dream of killing Agatha, after which he drives off in the middle of the night, winding up in the King Edward Hotel, and requests Room 23. The book stops on Chapter 22, with Fingerling on a balcony, trying to decide whether or not to jump after murdering his lover, Fabrizia. Walter sees Ned the dog again and follows him to the grave of Laura Tollins, who died on her 23rd birthday. Her body's still missing. Walter looks into her death and discovers Laura was sleeping with her professor, like Fabrizia in the book. Walter thinks the professor wrote the book as a confession and visits him in jail, but he proclaims his innocence. Eventually, Robin and Walter discover that every 23rd word on every 23rd page spells out two messages. Visit Casanova Spark, dig beneath the steps to heaven. The other, I warn you, hell is waiting, Sparrowman. This leads them to Casanova's Park later that night, where they discover Laura Tollin's skeleton, but when they return with a police officer, the bones have disappeared. Agatha arrives with Dr. French and with dirty hands, which arouses Walter's suspicions. Walter confronts her about taking the bones and accuses her of writing the book. She admits to moving the skeleton to protect him, but that, in fact, he wrote the book. He returns to the hotel room, where he tears down the wallpaper and finds chapter 23 of the book, identifying himself as the author and declaring it his confession. Walter then remembers his father killed himself, and his suicide note was pages of things that added up to the number 23. Walter loved Laura Tollins as a college student, but she eventually began sleeping with her professor, and when Walter confronted her, she declared that she never loved him. He went into a rage, stabbing her, then burying her in the park. Walter then went to the hotel room, wrote the book, and jumped off the balcony. He survived with severe injuries and trauma, but ended up in the institute where his therapist, another 23 fanatic, published Walter's note as a book. Walter suffered memory loss, forgetting his crime, and... Upon leaving the Institute, he met his wife, Agatha. 
Ultimately, Walter turns himself in, freeing the professor and relieving his conscience. Though entering prison, Walter Sparrow seems optimistic about himself and his family's future, having taught his son about justice. And now we join the others in the Flop House. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. Uh, my name is Dan McCoy. I'm Simon Fisher. And Stuart Wellington. So tonight we watched uh, the number 23, and I have to ask you, the number 23. <laughs> Scariest number ever. <laughs> it is. What I don't understand is um, the number 23, <laughs> they really have to put the number like was that was 23 already copyrighted oh, yeah, so it might have been it actually might have been as opposed to the television by like a mathematician or, maybe oh yeah they didn't want people to confuse it like it's like a prequel movie to the popular series 24 yes I think that's mainly it you know like my problem with this the idea of a number as an antagonist it's like the movie Twister where they're like you know what the villain in this movie is weather <laughs> bad weather <laughs> you know what I hate Jerk tornadoes. Those jerks are real well, dicks. It's Wait. just a safe bet, you know, because you know <laughs> the audience is automatically going to side against numbers. <laughs> There's probably not going to be any number sympathizers out there. They're like, I think the number 23 was really misportrayed in it. When Jim Carrey starts going crazy and seeing 23 everywhere, which me, happens like 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> and, and not only that, but continues to happen throughout the entire movie. Even by the end, we are all of us still freaked out by the number 23. And, and to me, that's like that's like math of magic. That's the literally the lowest form of magic. Like, even, <laughs> when, <laughs> even when I was... Other like, magicians beat up mathematicians. Well, you know why? Because Square One was a bullshit show. That's a fact. Everyone knows. Say, like, even when I was a kid, hey, you're thinking of a number. If you give me another number and I add I'll five make you to it... Divided I, by seven, and uh, is this your number? Yeah, and you're like, like what? Oh my god, if you go through all these like <laughs> hoops that have been dictated to me by you, the magician, you'll come up with a number. That is totally amazing. Well, it's it's math magic, dude. I don't know if you knew this, but numbers are magic. Oh. Well, for instance, the number 23 is the murderer's number. You know, the thing, I think we're really missing a key point, guys, and that uh, it's that fucking numbers and math kind of fucking boring <laughs> well that's yeah. the director and the fucking screenwriter who I have serious issues with okay well I don't think that we can we can really talk about the the, the top notch screenwriting in this movie um, without talking about what our favorite character's name was from the movie Stu favorite character's name from the movie um, oh my god, was it the Widow Dobkins? <laughs> That's, That's pretty, pretty good. good one. I, no, it was actually Dr. Sirius Leary, PhD. <laughs> yeah. Who's yeah. Serious? Serious. Serious. <laughs> um, well, a Sirius, psychiatrist. Sirius Black from the uh, Harry, popular Harry Potter series is the only okay. other Sirius I can think sure. of. A fiction, another, Again, a fictional, another fictional character. character. Not like, um, I don't know, um, my best friend in second grade, Sirius Johnson. <laughs> I, I don't know. If Sirius this, Satellite Johnson. I don't, I don't actually interact with that many doctors, but is it like is it like a requirement that they say Dr. Sirius Leary in this case, Dr. Sirius Leary, Leary PhD? Like, it almost seems like they're rubbing it in my face. <laughs> I'm tempted to go with our hero's name, but the name of the writer of the number 23, not the, the script for the hit movie, sorry, Jim Carrey. <laughs> the, the hit movie 23. The, no, <laughs> the number 23, excuse me. But the novel within the hit movie, the number 23, which is also, I think, called the number 23. It is. It is called. Uh, the author of that book is Topsy Kretz. <laughs> Topsy uh -huh. Kretz, ladies and gentlemen. Topsy Kretz. Hmm. 
I think there's a double meaning there. Somewhere. My favorite character name was um, Jim Carrey's character. His his son's name was Robin Sparrow. Right. Robin Bird Eagle Sparrow. And then he had the same haircut as his son. That was a weird decision. Dan. Well, <laughs> I think it's Way to go, Dan. Uh, I think the point is that... Um, they had a lot in common. Father yep. and son, sure they did. Hair. Yep. <laughs> One of the things they shared in common was a love of a specific hairstyle. You know what? You know what number uh, occurs more than twenty-three? One. That's a number that occurs <laughs> yeah. a lot. Hey, you better watch out for that number. It's a real spooky number. <laughs> There's no movie about how creepy it is that the number one is all over the place. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Jesus. I want. I want to talk about something today, guys. And that's uh, the fact that this is the second movie in a row we've watched uh, as a group where there wasn't, there was literally no bad guy. At least memory had a really scary bad guy. Yeah, remember, remember, remember in the old days when movies had um, antagonists? Okay. And you had your main character, and they were um, they were beset upon by a person or an organization. Less like a concept or like a really bad thing that was just sort of going on around a them. A free-floating phenomenon. <laughs> right. The, like the, the, 23-ism. Sure, yep. Numerology is terrifying. I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. Let's, let's be clear. <laughs> the idea. Well, that's, that's why in all of, in all of Math and Magic, um, 23-ology is known as the dark arts, the black arts. Sure. No one should ever fuck around with that scary-ass number magic. You know, I think the thing is, like, if this was a better movie, <laughs> we would all be admiring it for the fact, like, you know what was really cool about that movie? There, was, there was no antagonist. Like, wouldn't that, isn't that, wasn't that kind of, like, interesting? The antagonist came from within. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> that sounds like me, actually. Yeah. I would say that. The antagonist is within the movie. But, uh, it was, it was a, it was a failure, uh, <laughs> on storytelling terms. Well, let's, let's, how, how many levels did the movie fail on, Dan? Hmm. Well, there was the initial level, and then... <laughs> the surface level, let's call it. Well, all right. This is one of those movies where there are two stories, basically. What we'll call, like, the primary story, what's going on in, quote, real life. Sure. Where uh, Jim Carrey is slowly descending into madness with Virginia Madsen, his wife, and his son. There's the second level, which is the stuff that happens in the novel, the number 23, which Jim Carrey is reading. The problem in basically literally every movie I've seen where there's a secondary level of fiction going sure. on, like we see a movie... Or we see a novel. Where the, the characters in the movie are watching a movie, right. and this is the movie. Right. And it's greatly affecting them. The, the, the problem is, every time, what they're watching is the biggest piece of <laughs> shit. Like, like the it's biggest, a- like, cliche-ridden piece of genre crap. Maybe the problem is, it's hard enough to write, like, a compelling screenplay on one level. <laughs> This is also like have to like have to write, oh shit I now have to write like a compelling sub screenplay right right the idea, the idea that like you spend all this time and effort and you're working on this this thing that you're really really proud of the thing is really great and then you go on to write another equally amazing piece that lives within the first piece it's either that or maybe maybe it is maybe it's fear that like the the stupid little like story inside your story will end up being a lot better yeah. than the larger story so you kind of want to dumb it down a little bit. It's gotten to me. It, it it makes me think of the movie Goodwill Hunting. It's anytime Explain. they try and say somebody's like really smart or somebody's like really good at something, or like something is really amazing within the. It's uh, like uh, like fucking uh, Studio Sixty recently, where, where like got 
a lot of shit for like that's slightly oh, more contemporary. Oh, we gotta we gotta <laughs> set up these guys as really good sketch comedy writers. Oh, but we're gonna, then we gotta show the sketches and they're basically sub yeah. Saturday night. Arguably Live not that good of a sketch. Yeah. No, I, th- I think your point was that yeah, there is, that you've created a fictional world in which these characters all really like this book that you, the viewer, are also getting to enjoy, and it is really bad. And there's no reason why any character should enjoy it because well, it's bad. And I well, also think that they ha- they feel this com- this compulsion to be like, you know what, we have to we have to downgrade it. Like like I'm I'm writing this really awesome <laughs> screenplay to to indicate to the viewer that within the screenplay, what you're seeing is fiction. I have to make it slightly crappier. Like, I have to make it, like, <laughs> symbolic of literature. Like that dame had a shitload of gams on her. Well, I think, I, I mean, we do have to... Like, whoa, whoa, who wrote that? Her gams just wouldn't quit. We do have to talk about, like, the, the book, the number 23, within the movie a little bit. I think that's kind of like a crux of a lot of my problems. Parallel to talking about the book, the 23, let's also talk about the way, the voice in which Jim Carrey Red. Yeah, it's precisely. <laughs> because uh, Jim Carrey has a normal voice normally when he talks. Sure. He's reading lines and he's speaking in a normal, his normal Jim like Carrey Like he's voice. A, a regular human being. Sure. And Simon, his <laughs> character is his like, his like mind voice sure. of him reading the book. You know, like when you read a book yourself, right. you know, viewers at home or whatever, and you're reading a book, you obviously do it in kind of stupid voice. You know what? Jim Carrey does the same thing in right. the movie, the number twenty-three. That's something Fucking we all. Surprise, that's, surprise. all <laughs> that's something we all have in common. Everyone does that. Like yeah, and then I and then this weird thing happened. Basically, like what happens is Jim Carrey starts reading this book and he f- starts finding all these vague parallels, extremely vague parallels <laughs> between his life and the life of the book. I think extremely vague is the right word for it. <laughs> The character in the book is this sort of like sub Raymond Chandler detective <laughs> character who. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, John Cheever? No, is no, that not, not John Cheever. Did you just say John Cheever? No, I don't think I did. I don't think he's he's a character like <laughs> well, drinking martinis well, in like New England. Let's we'll we'll play back the recording later and we'll see. I think he said John Cheever. <laughs> this this saxophone playing <laughs> a character who, by the way, at no point in the movie plays the saxophone. Never actually plays the saxophone. He holds the saxophone as if he might play it at any moment. What he does is he leans against a window ledge in a wife beater while the rain is coming down outside with the saxophone slung loosely across his chest. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? Remember? Yeah, we I'm were t- all... taking you back there, too. No, I remember. I remember how we were all hoping that at any moment he might start playing the saxophone, and it never came. Yep. The, uh, from uh, Baker Street, the Jay Rafferty song. Yeah, The saxophone riff. That's a really good song. Um, the most the... famous saxophone riff in all of rock. And... His the character in the book calls himself fingerling. <laughs> I can't divorce from, from the concept of finger banging. Right, somebody. fingering. Like, hi, it's me, Detective Fingering, man who enjoys. <laughs> like, fingering. excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> like what? De- I'm Detective Fingering. Uh, I've named okay. myself after the sexual activity <laughs> I most enjoy. <laughs> fingering. I really like a good The most fingering. satisfying act in all of the world of sex. In the entire, in, in my entire arsenal of lovemaking, uh, finger banging, most effective tool. Now the thing about it is that this this book is actually, turns out to have been written by Jim Carrey back yeah, when he was. No, you're, you're spoiling the whole Spoiler movie. alert. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally, holy shit, the twist is ruined. Well, but the, no, but we have to well, discuss now the, the cat's twist. I have to because. No, 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 because now that the cat's out of the bag, it's once again, no, I don't know if I've, if I've mentioned this in, uh, in, in, previous um, casts 
I really hate movies that have twists in them. I really don't like it. Where well, it turns out that the main character was the killer the whole time, let's, or the other person was the killer, or the friend like, that you never knew was the killer. Let's, let's, there were ghosts all the time. <laughs> Everyone was always a ghost. It's, sure. it's, it's what they've done is they've taken maybe like C plus B minus quality Twilight Zone episodes and like <laughs> hey let's just have movies all be like that now wouldn't that be weird if that happened but let's like let... the twist <laughs> every movie's like that now that's the twist all movies have a twist let's be clear though because I mean like there are good twist endings go name them shoot I... name five of them right now don't think about it name five movies with a good twist ending I'm not gonna go. name five of them no you'll name five of them Dan name two of them memory uh, okay well, <laughs> that's one Stuart good call Dan Stu just threw you an alley-oop I'm gonna name two and they're both Christopher Nolan movies mm, I okay. liked Memento and I like the twist in The Prestige and I'll tell you okay. what in both that's two in both from the same guy in both of those I movies I don't know if that though, counts as two the point is in both of those movies the twist enriches your like view of the rest of the movie. In the, both of those movies, the twist is semi-surprising. I mean, you may or may not have seen it coming, but it is a twist. And then if you look back over the rest of the movie, you're like, oh, I, I get it. That like casts the rest of the movie in a different light. However, that light is still logical. Sure. That light makes sense. That's fair. Once Whereas again, in this movie, it doesn't make any sense what's going on. Like At the end, we discover, oh, wait a minute. Jim Carrey was a crazy person. <laughs> who killed a girl, then went to a, a hotel to write a long suicide note that was then turned into the hit novel, <laughs> The Number 23, which was published by his uh, psychologist... While, Serious Leroy. ...while he was... <laughs> Dr. Serious Leroy, PhD, and, who then went on to publish his novel <laughs> in a vanity publishing. Yes. Um, it ended up at a used bookstore where his wife, Virginia Madsen, uh, found it, yeah. uh, bought it, read it and then recommended it yeah. to Jim Carrey to read oh holy shit what a nightmare that in turn the thing is I don't, I don't know if you understand this but the only reason he actually was able to read the book was because he got attacked by a magical dog you mean the dog Ned right yeah the magical bulldog that bit his arm and was kind of like a guardian um I'm just gonna guardian of the dead I think I don't, I, I don't know if you remember this too but if you add up the, the, the numeric where the letters fall, the name Ned adds up to 23. Holy shit. And that's... that's, and that's do and you that's, think that was intentional? No, I think that was a happy coincidence. <laughs> First, Jim Carrey gets released from, uh, say, Arkham Asylum. Yes, let's just call it Arkham Asylum for sake of argument. <laughs> then, literally, on his way out of the asylum, he bumps into Virginia Madsen, who I think is like carrying some sort of cake. Yeah, it looks like she's carrying a cake. And An I ice cream cake, I think. They end up getting married. Sure. And then later on... They go on to have a son named Robin. On Jim Carrey's uh, 23rd plus 23rd birthday, maybe. I don't know what it is. I think it was his 32nd birthday, which is, of course, 23 back. She hands him the book that he happened to write. To tell you the truth, we were talking earlier about how um, in a number of different works of fiction, they have a tendency to throw in an additional work of fiction, which seems to capture the main character's like mind and soul. Mm. And... Jim Carrey's character, not only does it take him forever to read the smallest book I've ever seen, <laughs> it looks like somebody's notebook with the number 23 <laughs> sloppily pasted on it. Virginia Madsen's character reads this book, I guess, in the course of an evening. Sure. And then she hands it to Jim Carrey's A lazy afternoon, she reads it. Who reads it 
basically at the pace that the screenplay requires him to have read it. <laughs> right. Like, Which like, is like, tremendously slow. He can't read it faster than plot developments would dictate. He's reading what's... Otherwise like, we'd be watching like, the movie and fast forward. Yeah, what looks like a 200 page book he reads over the course of, I guess, a week. <laughs> Even though he's theoretically obsessed with his book. And, and he's reading it constantly. Him. One would theorize that in addition to reading the book, he supplements it with maybe browsing websites. <laughs> Let me point out a subtle detail you might have missed. When um, when Virginia Madsen um, gives him the book 23, he has a very unusual reaction. He's like, books, huh? What's so fucking great about books? Almost <laughs> as though he's never read a book before. So it's possible that he is... Um, I don't want to say like functionally like illiterate, but maybe he's just a real slow reader. He needs a nice softball pitch. So when he reads, he's like, and then one time the number 20 with his fingers yeah, spreading out each word. Maybe. It's very possible. I originally brought this point up because this is actually me supporting the movie The Number 20. Really? In I'm all these other in that. all these other like movies and stuff, they have like a work of fiction which captures the main character's interest. And this one at least it makes sense to some extent. Because he wrote the fucking thing. Right. So of course he thinks it's cool. Sure. That's He's like, an, oh that's my actually, god, that's really point. smart. Like, man, this is a really good, compelling book. It makes a lot more sense than if, say, some actual other human being wrote it. Just like, some jerk wrote this fucking stupid yeah. ass book. Because at that point, that would just make me think he has no taste. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sympathize with our lead character anymore because clearly his literary taste. His poor taste in literature. <laughs> yep. It's for the birds, and he reads slowly, borderline retarded. That's what his dog catcher's license says, I bet. Yeah, let's, let's take a moment. That's a pretty whimsical job, huh? Dog, dog catcher? catcher? He's a professional dog catcher. That's a whimsical job. Are there professional dog catchers anymore? Whose whole, no, 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 whose whole job is just to, like, hang out and, like, drive around town and be constantly in radio contact with a switchboard to see if there's a stray dog sighting? I think, to be fair, he works for animal control. He doesn't have any paperwork to fill out, any like veterinary work to perform. He's exclusively a dog catcher with a tranquilizer dart shotgun. Yeah. It is odd. <laughs> you know, going back, Dan, I think we should analyze, since there were literally three characters in the movie, why don't we analyze the performances of our three leads? Alright, let's let's do that so before let's, we do it. You want to start with Jim Carrey, Dan? Alright, Jim Carrey, I have to say, the number 23, I guess, was presented as, an, as a potential Jim Carrey comeback vehicle. Which, again, as we were discussing, is really weird. Yeah, it's not like Jim Carrey has had like this like string of like super flops. Right. Or, <laughs> right, right, or, like, or like, oh, for Christ's sake, Jim Carrey, what did he make a movie in like 1992? Who's heard right, of that douchebag ever? He made that fun with Dick and Jane, which like you like you very recently. Yeah, people didn't see it, but you know, recent film. It's a major theatrical release. He made Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I which guess, was critically received, critically well. acclaimed. But I thought that he did a good job in, in what was a really good sure. movie. Sure, I mean, in any case, the point being here that that this is not a la like uh, John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. We were like, holy right. shit, this guy hasn't been in movies in a really long time, okay, oh and now God. he's in this very unusual, different kind of role. But the thing is, with this movie. I don't know. If I it was, was just the movie he made this year. Like, it was <laughs> yeah. this year's movie. And last year he made a different movie, and the year before that a different movie. However, saying that, um, if I was going to cast a movie about a guy's slow descent into madness, <laughs> like, a, like a potential, like a, like a time bomb of a killer. Like someone really tightly wound. I would not pick Jim Carrey. However, if you did pick Jim Carrey, would you shoot a lot of weird, erotic sexual scenes that feature Jim Carrey? For a sex appeal. I would, and I was I would have him cradle a saxophone in a lot of scenes. 
Like, any goddamn second, I'll start blowing on this fucker. Uh, like a year or two ago, Christian Bale was offered The Machinist and uh, the number 23, and he's like, well, fuck, fuck the number 23, <laughs> and he managed to, like, hand it off, and so then Jim Carrey just happened to walk by the trash can, and like, he's like, number 23, what's this all about? And he's like, holy shit, I wrote this one day. <laughs> like, oh my god, this is the screenplay I wrote all those years ago, when I was crazy. 23 years ago. <laughs> Yeah. Now, um... Virginia Madsen. Virginia Madsen. I gotta admit, I think she's kind of hot. Yeah, okay. I mean, I can see it. Um, her presence in this movie was almost like like a not presence, like a cardboard stand-up. Like someone who was there well, to deliver she important had that really lines. Good line where she Plot like, lines. Oh, yeah, holy shit. Well, do we want to talk about that yet, or do we want to save it till later? No, no, tell me. I, I, the I, I, really good line. The best line in the movie. I may have forgotten it already. No way! There's no the way you could have forgotten it. The one that. where she tells Jim Carrey to kill her in front of all of his beautiful 23s. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been 23s the whole goddamn movie, and Jim Carrey's freaking out like, Ah, I just discovered I was a murderer. I murdered someone. I can't believe it. I don't even know who I am anymore. And she's like, you're not a murderer. You're not a murderer. You're my husband. I know you. He's like, no, you don't know me. And she's like, well, kill me right now. And he's like, no, I can't. He's like, kill me right now in front of all of these beautiful 23s. <laughs> and, and, and Dan left just like that because it was a really good line. <laughs> it was. You know what? Someone someone wrote that line. Sure. Someone was sitting down in front of an old-timey-ass typewriter, and they were like, he wrote that oh, line. Oh, yeah. He sat back. Took a sip of his martini. <laughs> Lit a, another cigar. <laughs> he said, that's money in the bank. <laughs> he's like, this shit is gold. So, Solid he called gold. Up his, he called up his broker and he's like, yeah, just put, put it on number 23. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Whatever. Is broker or like a, like a roulette deal? Like, <laughs> 23 is a publicly traded <laughs> yeah. number. The publicly traded account, 23. 23. Well, the thing is, he risked it all because he realized so much money was coming in. Sure. Even though to put it all on 23 is obviously no risk. Um, I have a new system for when I go gambling. Huh. It involves 23. Always hoping for a 23 somehow. Now that you've revealed your secret... Uh, Everyone's going to cash in, and exactly. gambling will disappear as a phenomenon. <laughs> Basically, Virginia Madsen could have been played by anyone who was like, this is this role is called wife. Right. Your <laughs> job is to read the However, important plot lines. I think one of the weirdest things about this movie, focusing on the wife, where for literally about five minutes, the audience kind of thinks that the wife is the killer. Right. For well, like five minutes, maybe. Sure. And then they're like, actually, that's just bullshit. Jim Carrey was the killer. <laughs> and they even went so far as to have like weird flashback moments where she was like, this book could have been written by a woman. Woman. Yeah. Where it's like you keep seeing like her face like, this book is written by a woman. The number 23 is my favorite number. I'm the killer. This book was written by a woman. The number 23 is my some, favorite number. Some, I was the killer. Someday I'd like to write a book to totally mess with somebody's mind. 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 <laughs> Well, remember though, the first twist was that the fir at first you're watching a movie that's like, oh wow, Jim Carrey's reading this weird book that's making him want to kill his wife. Okay. Wait a minute, right. it actually doesn't make me want to do that. In fact, it just makes me want to figure out who wrote this book. Wait a minute, this book was written about someone who was really murdered. Who was the murderer? Right. Was it my wife? No, I was the murderer, but I'm not actually a murderer. Now, the best part is that that, that first part, the whole descent into madness, because we keep talking about descent into madness, but that... That is literally only like the first, I don't know what, like 35 minutes of the movie, and then it becomes a different movie. Now, 
was Virginia Madsen topless in the movie? Who was topless in this movie? I think that was a body. I double. think it was a body double as well. Because I, uh, but I, I think the girl. I think it was the girl that he eventually killed. I asked this because we have to make it clear that we watched the unrated version. We did. Of the we did not watch the theatrical release. We watched. There were two later. options on the DVD, and we opted to watch the unrated. And I think version. we made the wise decision because this movie had a lot more um, erotica in it than I would have imagined it would have. There was a lot of Jim Carrey's ass. A lot of his ass. Like a lot of scenes. A lot of well, God. Whoa, whoa, there's a lot of goddamn movie sex scenes where. Um, the woman is uh, on her back. She's still wearing her bra. The man is sort of like like undulating like waves, and you can see his ass the whole time. Um, and it's Jim Carrey. Simon, that's called proper lovemaking. Oh, I wait. think you and wait, I are wait, gonna, wait, 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 wait. I think I think wait, I got wait, a podcast wait, to make. Wait, you wait a minute. Because... You're you're not supposed to take the bra off. Mm. Oh anyway. shit. Our third major character, who I want to talk about a while back. Yeah, this was the this was the one that this Danny, is Danny Houston. Danny Houston. Who I would know from what else? He was the proposition. And the proposition. That's true. He was Briefly in, in Children um, of Men, a movie called Silver City, John That's Sales true. movie. Soupy Sales. <laughs> he was in the Soupy Sales story. <laughs> so John Houston, uh, I guess. Danny Houston. Danny Houston, John Houston's son, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have a. I I always like seeing Danny Houston movies and I liked him in this movie I thought he was probably the best character in this movie in terms of like he had he had that Danny Houston quality of being like oddly creepy like is Wait, which, this guy's which, a murderer was it when it was like in the story the number 23 where he had a goatee and his name was like yeah. Dr. Marius no, it, Phoenix yeah it was Dr. Phoenix a devilish they're goddamn goatee. movie names oh god damn it these goddamn movie names um Stu quick give me a movie name Make up a movie um, name right now. Laura Tollins. <laughs> um, okay, um, Chet Granite. Dan, give me one. <laughs> Dr. In- Inferno Fireburns. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little extreme, but sure, keep going. Yeah, that was... It's okay, all about No, okay, shoot, quick, pass it to Steve. Hot potato, Steve, <laughs> oh, what do you got? Hot potato. Movie um, name. Walter Sparrow? <laughs> uh, Jonathan Shadow. Um, uh, Nicholas Steelwolf? See, these are goddamn movie Mean names. Man Cruelsome. <laughs> no, you're going too obvious every time. Like, this is bad guy, the guy you want to hate. <laughs> but Jerk these monsterly. <laughs> God damn it. They're not names that people have in real life. They're names that script writers make up because they're like, uh, looking around the room, um, needing to indicate character. Mitch Couchwall, um, table podcast, um, beer can cowboy boots. Like, you fuckers are just making up bullshit. God damn it. Why don't you just look through the phone book or think of friends' names? Friends would, I'm sure, enjoy having their name appear in a movie. Well, the other thing is when you're when you're working on a production of the scale that I'm sure the number twenty three was, you should take your net and take the screenplay with the list of names and go up to one of the many people involved, <laughs> possibly somebody on like craft services or like a grip, sure, and be like, have you the guy who brings the apple boxes? Have anybody? you ever heard of somebody with the last name Dobkins? <laughs> and they'll be like, no, because that sounds like a bullshit made up name. Like, oh, okay, X. Let me just X that out. Uh, what about? the last name Tollins like, and you'd be like no absolutely not what about if I call this character um Tolliver St. Clair like that's not a real name First you shouldn't all, name them that it's like is he a porno actor 
God. There was more to talk about that movie than there actually was the movie itself. Yeah. What was it, 27? Mm. A trim 32 minutes? Mm-hmm. It was a 32 little, minutes was and 23 seconds. Wait a minute, 32 is... <laughs> 23. Yep. Man, scary. You know, you know what else I thought was... You know what else pissed me off about that movie? It'd be one thing if there actually was the number 23 everywhere. That would have been kind of cool and spooky. But a lot of times it was 32. Yeah. It's like, that's 23 backwards. Like, no. well, yeah, but it's not fucking 23. Like, no, no, but it is, because both numbers are in it. It really worked hard. No, it's like you were saying when it's we got were watching 23 the movie. Like, it was like, oh my god, there are <laughs> atoms in everything. Right. Everything's made oh, of atoms. Weird, weird. I still don't understand at what point Jim Carrey's character assumed that because the number 23 was involved somehow in, like, life, <laughs> that, like, all life was made up of 23 variants, why that was a bad thing. That, like, no, mathematics no, he... generally uses, like, what, a, like, a system of tens, where it's sure. like, you know, you got 10, 20, 30, that kind of bullshit. Like, yeah, once as soon as I figure that out, um, you lost I, your mind. I literally can't enjoy life. <laughs> uh, the sun is a little bit darker. Exactly. You know what else pissed me off about this movie? The whole goddamn thing, the whole goddamn twist all came down to the fact that he fucking had amnesia. Yeah, that's true. That's bullshit. That's a goddamn twist movie bullshit. You could name two movies. There are two movies with good twists. There might be in the entire canon of films perhaps eight others. Perhaps. In all movies there have ever been. And yet they persist. They fucking persist in taking what is just ostensibly like a kind of action thriller. Like, oh man, what if someone did go crazy? What if this husband went crazy? And what if there was also a twist in the end? Wouldn't that be good? Like, no, just, oh, God damn it. I liked High Tension and there was a twist in High Tension. Yeah, well, I didn't care for High Tension. Yeah, but I mean, like, I liked High Tension too, but... The twist in high tension you can only take on the most metaphorical level. Like, well, I didn't like the twist apply... part of it. I like the fact there was a bunch of gore and shit. All right, but the, and there well, was at the least point. one female We're talking about twists, scene. Stuart. Oh, <laughs> if we're talking about twists, you can't hold up high tension as an exemplar of a good twist. Of how because, good it was because of the gore in it. <laughs> because, like, is literally, the problem gore? with high tension is there's a non-existent truck following them <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> It doesn't work as a twist ending. I see the shock in your face. He's remembering the like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, that twist doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Anyway, let's wrap this segment. Let's break it down. (laughs) Let's wrap this. Hold on, let's let's, let's review high tension. Let's wrap this segment up. uh, Wait, which segment was this? Oh, this is the main (laughs) segment, the body. The (laughs) actual body of the the cast. Break it down. This was the reason that the podcast exists. This is Final Judgment, and I've got some special Halloween month categories. Ooh, I like this. So, uh, guys, was this movie a total frightmare? <laughs> okay. You're a dick, by the way. <laughs> was it scarifyingly funny? Okay, that's a little bit less dickish, but still sort of your dick. Or, <laughs> or was it snorifying? <laughs> that's, that's actually really good. I like that one. So, what do you think? That's kind of like my snooze factory. Yeah. Um, I think this movie, um, you know what? I'm going. To, I'm gonna. I'm gonna break my um, my my curmudgeonly streak I've been having here, and I'll say the second one. Kind of, I guess. I kind of liked it. All right, I guess. I mean, it was stupid, but you know what? It was. It was watchable. It at least wasn't like really poorly produced. You know, like yeah. it was okay. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm a little up in the air, guys. Um, on one hand, uh, it was really stupid. That's true. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to give the impression that it wasn't stupid. 
No, stupid. I didn't like it at all, dude. What was the worst one? The snore, uh, snore, the snorefying. It was snorefying. I think it was totally snorefying, dude. It wasn't really scary. There's no blood. Uh, I'm gonna go with Simon. I'm gonna say it's scarifyingly funny. You know, like Joel Schumacher, not a good director. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go out That's on a limb, yeah. guys. You know what? We've said a lot tonight, but Joel <laughs> Schumacher, not a skilled director. Not a, not a good director. However, competent. We didn't just sit through memory. Right, well, right. For example. Sure, no, that's fair. It, it kept moving at a good clip. Just the idea, the very idea that we were, that he had the audacity to ask us to be scared of a number. <laughs> you kind of respect the balls. I kind of enjoyed it, you know. Okay. So basically what you're saying is, Joel Schumacher, you're, I mean, he's, he's not going to be breaking any home run records. He's the guy you put up in the batting lineup when you needed somebody on first base. Sure. You need to get a first. You need to bunt. get a single. You need to get a really a good, good bunt. bunt. Yeah, sure. Wait, did he make Mothman Chronicles? Oh no, I don't think. I don't think he did. It feels like a Joel Schumacher does, though, right? doesn't it? Yeah. That movie sucks. Yeah, yeah, it did. But again, that was another. That was scarifyingly funny. That's another one of those movies where you're watching and you're like, one. yeah, this movie kind of blows, but I don't know. I guess like I'm not mad that I'm watching it. Like I don't want to punch the DVD. Oh. Hey, let's watch Mothman Chronicles. <laughs> let's do that after we're done recording this. That'll be fun. That'll be a nice way to kill an evening. Oh, somebody start bother. Some fucking popcorn. <laughs> some bread and butters. Some popping some fucking pop tarts. But let's turn away from things that we hate. Sure. Let's talk about good things stuff. we love. I know I'm springing this on you guys a little bit, but um, normally when we talk about things we like, you know, it's things we've we've seen recently. Sure. Because this is our special October, like, sort of Halloween month uh, podcast. I like where this is going. I'm going to break the thing. I'm going to say, is there some overlooked horror movie yeah, that you would like to recommend to people? No, it makes sense. Want to go first or... Uh, I think it's two. What do you got? Wait, this is supposed to be something I like and not something I hate. Yeah, this is, this is a horror movie that you've seen in your life that you think is really cool and you think most people might not know about. This is my little moment to uh, to talk about a movie called Night of the Demons. <laughs> yeah, it's, I knew it. It's hands down my favorite Halloween movie of all time. You got uh, demons, you got a bunch of nudity, you got Lena Quigley, you got the weird uh, you got the weird opening where the old guy's like goddamn kids and then he holds up an apple and a razor blade and then at the end of the movie he accidentally gets killed by a razor blade apple pie it's just a solidly well made movie so you should watch it right now right now right now I'm, right. I'm sorry I feel very strongly about this I bullshit a lot I'm kind of like a silly guy but this I feel very but in all seriousness this. fair enough Daniel uh, I would like to recommend Brain Damage this is 1988 Frank Hinlotter this guy, the director who did this, directed Basket Case, which is much better known. Sure. He also did Frankenhooker. But I'm not I familiar would, with that one. I would recommend Brain Damage. Get the uncut version, the unrated Wait, version. wait, is Brain Damage the one that has Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman in it? No. Or is that Brain something? It's something Brain, right? No, That's like it, it, you, the Brainiacs? It is something Brain. The Brain Masters? There's a Brain film that is the legendary teaming of the Paxton and Pullman. Paxton and Pullman. Guys who for a long time I thought were the same guy. But uh, no, Brain Damage is about this worm named Almer. Wow, I've never seen that. Who uh, basically injects this psychotropic uh, sort of substance into this guy's head. And, you know, like like so many horror movies, it's sort of like an allegory for other things. And this movie is an allegory for uh, addiction. 
sort of. We all know how we're all addicted to drug worms. <laughs> <laughs> this drug worm uh, basically makes this guy kill people, and um, you know the '80s were a golden age for horror, and it's got this weird like uh, it's kind of like if Repo Man was a horror movie. Now this is actually funny. It's funny that this is the the, the question for the show. We talked a lot about how well Stu did about how stupid it is in movies when they have like a story or another movie or a book in the movie that all the characters talk about either being really good or really scary. One of my favorite horror movies is John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. I really like that movie for reasons that have never been clear to me. Like it's a really I watch tough it, sell, dude. I know. I realize that, and that's and that's why. Like I don't bring it up that often because I know it's crazy, and I watch it, and I can't point to what it is about it that I like. Sam Neill. That's part of it. Sure, I like Sam Neill. I think it also has to do with it's. There's a bunch of scenes in an asylum, and that's always scary. I don't know. There's just something about it. like I was. I get, always get little goose pimples. I like John Carpenter. It's not my favorite John Carpenter movie, but uh, it's one of my favorites. Memoirs of an Invisible Man's your favorite. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Prince right. of Darkness. Sure. Prince of Darkness. I actually kind of like. I think Darkness Prince of Darkness is blows. an overlooked John Carpenter movie. I said kind. I didn't say I really <laughs> liked it. You know, bad. It's not John. like it's Halloween like or something. Ghost it's not of the Mars is bad. Shut your mouth. No, no. So, whoa, 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 Dan. John Carpenter's Halloween is literally one of the shittiest. And it's so... I mean, it's been fucking canonized, and it's bullshit. Because it's not very you good. talk, but this part no, it's No, you will not edit this out, you son of a bitch. No, no. No, you will not edit this <laughs> out. At the very least, because the joke about editing out is too funny. Don't <laughs> edit it out. Leave it in. I think you're really selling this joke as being significantly funny. No, it's, actually it's, it's really good. Trust okay. me. It'll play, it'll play a lot better than it sounds it'll to play you. It'll play in Peoria. <laughs> it plays. <laughs> so, yeah, what's, um, the next one is what? What are we, we talking about well, right, next week? No, I, well, uh, Hey, are any fucking new Saws out on DVD? Let's watch a goddamn Saw movie. How about that? Saw 3. Yeah, that? fuck yeah, let's watch Saw no, 3. No, 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 Dan, are you that we shouldn't watch Saw Why not? 3? Because it might be pretty good. I, whoa, 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 I didn't wait say a pretty good. I said it might be too competent for <laughs> this. Well, we just watched a Joel Schumacher film. That's competent. All right, so tune in next time when we may be watching <laughs> See No Evil, Primeval, Primeval, The Grudge 2, or Saw 3. <laughs> wait, you said the movie about the fucking alligator, right? That was on there, right? Yeah. Okay, good. That had Orlando Jones in it. I like to point Ooh. out that Orlando Jones and Jürgen Prochnow are in. Uh, Dude, he was in In the Mouth of Madness. He was. I know. Yeah. He was also Duke Leto Atreides. He, wasn't he also um, Vigo? From Ghostbusters 2? No! <laughs> no! Who was but, that guy? But he was the guy... Jürgen Prochnow's dad? <laughs> but yes. Jürgen Prochnow was the guy they were trying to get released in uh, Air Force One. Yes. Wait, maybe I don't know who Jürgen Prochnow is. You don't. <laughs> I don't think I do. It's very possible. Wait, would you rather see The Grudge 2, Saw 3, or See No Evil? I kind of want to see Saw 3. Uh, you... Saw 3, probably. Alright, two votes All for right. Saw 3. Two beats, two beats one, two beats so, one, two beats one. we'll watch Saw 3. Awesome! Before we sign off, though, I've been forgetting this for the last few podcasts. For all the listeners out there who have not done so, visit the flophousepodcast.blogspot.com. Oh, yeah. For show notes and all things Flophouse. Yeah, check out blogspot.internet.com. Backslash the podcast jerks. <laughs> the Flophouse Podcast at If you like the show and have a little time, while you're there, click on the links. You can vote for us at Podcast Alley or write a nice review in iTunes. You should also tell a lot of people you know about this. Sure. And play it for them. And you can send us emails. This one wasn't very funny. Well, it wasn't our finest work. 
jerk. <laughs> and you can send us an email at theflophousepodcast at gmail.com. And we may respond on the air. Yeah, wouldn't that be weird? What a great ass thing. Won't that segment. be a delightful wait, 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 wait. reward are you to that, you? Are you saying the Flophouse podcast at Gmail wasn't already taken? <laughs> I'm saying that the Flophouse at Gmail was taken. Oh. And thus the Flophouse podcast at gmail.com <laughs> was is not our taken. Official sure. great. Um, address. Thanks for checking into the Flophouse tonight. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Simon Fisher. Good night. This is only funny to you, goddammit. This is the vanity joke of the entire project. Dan's favorite joke. The joke that's not that funny. Come on, let's go. He's going crazy. It's so funny to him. He can't. Look at him. Stu, look at Dan. Dan thinks this joke is that funny. He's not even laughing. He's just making a weird little noise. Because <laughs> he's laughing too much. It's like when you start laughing and it's so funny that you can't even actually laugh anymore. You're just like, ha, 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 ha. All right, let's settle down. <laughs>